You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, October 5th. We are a few short weeks away from UC San Diego Homecoming, which is October 17th through 23rd of this year. I have it on good authority that the festivities are back in person after two years of virtual programming. That includes the annual 5K. I know there are many hardy and sporty folks within IT services who do well at this event, and for reasons that will become clear in a few minutes, this week's guest, Mike Korn, is not one of them, but don't let that dissuade you from signing up. Dear listener, we have a tribute. We usually do this kind of thing at the end of our episodes, but this one is short and sweet. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's not much left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. R.I.P. Kikulio, may you find salvation in that gangsta's paradise in the sky. And with absolutely no segue whatsoever, here is Chief Information Security Officer Mike Korn. This is Mark Herzberger, Communications Manager and IT Services. Today I'm joined by our Chief Information Security Officer, Mike Korn. Mike, welcome back to the pod. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you very much. Why don't we start with a bit of an overview of your function? How is the Office of Information Assurance structured and what are the functions? Well, broadly speaking, the office is broken up in the two halves, if you will. We have the core security function, and then we have identity and access management. Within each of those, obviously, we've got different teams. So on the identity side, we have an access provisioning team, which provides things like access to the student systems and deals with account problems. We've got the Active Directory team, which deals with all things Active Directory. And we've got some engineers that deal with things like Duo, Shibboleth, the affiliates database. And then, of course, that team also is now working on EIM, the Enterprise Identity Management Project. So the identity team is busy and diverse, as you can imagine. On the security side, we've also got several teams. We have a small team made up of three people, although one position is open, that deals with incident response and threat detection. So these are the people that are watching the network for um, attacks, indicators of compromise, things like that. And then you've also got an engineering team, which deals with maintaining our core functions, our systems, the VPN, anti-malware software. And we've got a, what I call a risk and compliance team. These consist of the folks that are doing things like evaluating software purchases, credit card uh, certification to make sure we can continue to take credit cards as an institution, risk assessments. And it's also where we have uh, the CMMC program housed, if you will. So Carolyn Ellis and Kira Dunn work in that risk and compliance group, at least as far as the org chart goes. From the Office of Information Assurance, what are some of the big accomplishments of the past six to 12 months that you'd like to cite? Well, I think there's been a number of them. I really wanna give the team a shout out for several things. 
I think first I'd like to call out the Log4j vulnerability event that took place last January. That was not just my team. The, a lot of the heavy lifting there really took place with the AP team, Natalie's team, uh, folks throughout the organization participated in that. But I was so proud the way that Sheena and Ferdy and Daniel Quach and Ed Wade worked together to build the instrumentation to detect when we're being attacked by Log4j or when log for, systems running Log4j were being attacked, and they built dynamic mitigations for it. So when an attack would come in, they would recognize it, they would assemble the attack, they'd see what IP addresses the attack was coming from, and where data from compromised machines was supposed to be sent, and they would dynamically block those. So that was incredible work and incredible teamwork I was very proud of. I also think the Enterprise Identity Management Project has really turned a corner. And I give credit to that, not only to the whole team, but I wanna call out uh, Mona Zare, who, uh, you know, she's been here a little over a year and she came in and discovered that, oh boy, there's a lot of work still to be done. <laughs> but she applied uh, previous experience she'd had with identity and access management and deploying systems like this to really bring some discipline to the project. And of course, you know, you have to call out Angie Liu, who was, who's our project manager, who's just, you know, Angie walks on water, she's terrific. And the two of them have really put that project back on the straight and narrow. That's not to undersell the contributions everyone's making, but it's, it's very impressive. And, and then the last thing I think we should draw a little attention to is the uh, CMMC work that Carolyn Ellis and her team have been doing. And remember that team is relatively small in terms of ITS employees, but we partner with some technical staff at SVSC to deploy that. And we just went through, for example, a little fire drill that was kind of exciting. About three weeks ago, we were contacted by SIO and discovered that two of their machine shops had to be fully CUI compliant. And that means totally compliant with the requirements of controlled unclassified information. And we only had, as, once we understood the problem, we only had about two, two and a half weeks to get it done. And as of this morning, it's done. And that was a all hands on deck for three weeks exercise with some really excellent partnership from the folks at SIO. But at the same time that was going on, the CMMC team was finishing the migration and configuration of our dedicated O365 environment, which is dedicated just for CMMC accounts. And uh, that was completed yesterday as well. So boy, oh boy, the last three weeks, it's been a lot of back office work that probably most people would never notice, but it's huge victories uh, for the team. And I, I really couldn't be more proud of them. Carolyn's done a terrific job with that program. Real quick, what's the 30 second definition of CMMC and what is it all about? Since you brought it up a couple of times. Sure. The DOD, Department of Defense, as you know, they provide a lot of contracts and grants to UCSD. A number of years ago, they said, boy, you guys are all promising you're doing security in these agreements, and yet you keep getting compromised. Mm -hmm. So they set up a program, a very, very rigorous program, actually, of controls that require more than us just saying we're doing it, but it's going to require a third party to come in and assess us and it's kind of a pass-fail test. Either you're meeting all the requirements or you fail. 
And for a variety of reasons, that program has been a little slow to roll out. It's, I think they didn't quite understand the scale of what they were asking the defense industrial base to do. <laughs> but DO, UCSD is obligated to meet those requirements for projects that have those requirements in their contracts. And those requirements will start showing up in agreements probably May as the earliest over the summer, probably. So we need to be preparing now to get that certification or else we can't accept those contracts. And that's worth, the contracts right now are worth about 70 million a year to, the, to UCSD mm -hmm. and grants closer to 300 million a year. So uh, this is really important work for us. And uh, that's why we have a big team working on it so aggressively. Okay. I wasn't planning to ask this next one, but but you kind of jogged my memory. Speaking of compromises, um, we had the UCOP one a year or two ago. I know something happened in health. These are not under your purview per se, but you got to you got to deal with the fallout. And what what can you tell us about you know the the tale of those compromises and and the success or not of any mitigation efforts? Well, I'll tell you, as everyone here probably remembers. The big OP compromise, that was really massive, and it affected all of us. And it created a lot of work for us here on campus because the Office of the President really dealt with this as sort of a local problem. And the messaging to the community and helping people understand the risk, that fell to the location of various mm -hmm. campuses. And you recall, we put up a website, we did a bunch of town halls. And I think we did a pretty good job with that. I heard some good feedback. Mm -hmm. The real long tail of those two incidents though, is that the regents are asking, why do these key things keep happening? And there's two answers to that. I think the more practical answer is when you have very large enterprises, especially ones as diverse as a university, you're going to have compromises. We have. I don't know, quarter of a million machines on the network at any point in time. Some of those are going to get compromised. You guys have heard me talk before about the um, sheer volume of attacks we see on campus, tens of thousands per hour. Unfortunately, of course, going to the regions and saying, get used to it is not the answer they want to hear. So there's been a lot of attention paid collectively by the system to how do we raise our game? How do we better demonstrate to the regions that we're actually putting a lot of time and effort into cybersecurity. And, you know, I have to say in the time I've been here, I've been here a little over, it'll be six years in February. I've seen my budget increase. I've seen my staff increase. I've seen us mature as a campus around cybersecurity. And I'm very proud of that. Now, I'm kind of a glass half empty guy. So I see all the stuff we still have to do. But what we're really doing now as a system is starting to better document all that we're doing, tell the story better. And there's a lot of conversations uh, that go across the campus locations now about what are standard metrics we should all be reporting out on? What are best practices that many of us are doing, but not all of us? Where are we missing the ball? So the long tail of those breaches is more attention from leadership and that's both a good thing and a bad thing, obviously. I think we went down this road a second ago, but let's expand it. I, I did want to ask you, you know, despite being uh, the, the half full you mentioned, what, what are you optimistic about in your role? 
optimistic about an awful lot. Um, I'm very, very, as a manager, I feel that the team I have in OIA, both on the identity side and on the security side, is singularly the best group of security and identity professionals I've ever worked with. I'm just so proud and so gratified by how good these people are and the, what's the word? The professionalism they bring to their jobs. So personally, that's, that's just wonderful. It gives me a lot, allows me to sleep at night. I'm also really excited though, by the fact that we are starting to really focus on research cybersecurity. You know, we know how to secure enterprise systems. It's just resources, time to do it. But when you get down to what's really interesting at a university, the interesting work is in the research environment, the research e ecosystem. It's also the messiest. You know, faculty research labs, they tend to be little entrepreneurial businesses, and they're only loosely coupled to sort of the workaday stuff we think about in central IT. But between the cybersecurity certification for research program, between CMMC, between some additional regulations coming out of the federal government, every research program on this campus is going to require some degree of certification and attention. And that's both a little daunting because of the scale. On the other hand, what these people do is fascinating and interesting and challenging. And it's kind of fun. And I think we've got everything teed up to do it well. I'll give you an example of where it's challenging. One of the big issues we deal with as an institution from a cybersecurity standpoint are the research vessels that SIO mm -hmm. runs. So you have a ship floating in the ocean. It's gone nine months out of the year. It lands in a foreign port and it takes on day mariners who are not US citizens or speak English. And yet that ship is doing research funded by the DOD that needs to be secured to the same level of stuff we have in STSC. That's a, either an exciting challenge or a reason to retire. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's up to the individual to decide. But that's just a edge case, but it's an example of kind of the challenges we face. And it's pretty exciting stuff. And I know my staff look at this and go, that looks fun. So I think this focus on research is what I'm the most excited about right now. How'd you get into the cybersecurity field? Uh, totally by accident. I was a developer uh, doing a lot of coding and running a small IT shop in a system office at Illinois. And I had also gotten involved with a number of policy projects. And one day, I had not worked in security, other than sort of how it works into development. Uh, the CIO of the Urbana campus called me. I worked at the system office. He asked me to apply for their first CISO position. And I thought, mm -hmm, okay, it sounds kind of interesting. So I did, and I got the job. But what I found out later is the reason he recruited me wasn't because I knew anything about security. I was utterly unqualified for the job. I could have told him that. Yeah, exactly. I think my wife probably did. But the reason he recruited me is he saw how I handled multi-campus politics, putting together policy at a system level. And he thought that was really the skill he needed in a CISO. 
So I got the job and that's been my career since then. I've been very happy. Cybersecurity is a terrific place to work. It's challenging. It never gets boring. It's fun too in that there is literally no aspect of how a university operates that doesn't have a cyber dimension these days. So, you know, I've always joked the blessing and curse of cybersecurity is you get to stick your nose into everything and you have to stick your nose into everything. So um, that's, that's sort of my origin story, if you will. Okay. Uh, wind it down with uh, maybe a personal note or two. Who's in your family and what do you all like doing together? I don't have any kids. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we live here in San Diego. The, I, I want to say we like going hiking and doing stuff like that. The challenge I face is my wife is a ultra distance runner, trail runner. So her idea of a hike turns out to be like 25 miles. And my idea of a hike is to the ice cream store and back. So um, <laughs> it's always an interesting dynamic when we go on vacation. The rest of my family live in Colorado. So I see them periodically when we get together. How do you, how do you spend your you know night, nights and weekends, the Mike Corn hobbies and so forth? Uh, you know, the, the number one hobby I've got sort of I guess in a day-to-day sense is I raise orchids. So I've got a little teeny hobbyist greenhouse in the backyard, eight by eight. And I've got, I don't know, a couple hundred orchids in there, um, which is a lot of fun. You know, um, a lot of people will say, aren't orchids hard to grow? And I go, well, the ones that die aren't. And uh, (laughs) so that's a lot of fun. And, you know, in San Diego, the weather's so nice, you can grow things year round. Um, so uh, I enjoyed that quite a bit. All right, Mike, as ever, thank you for joining us here on uh, the current podcast and happy growing. Great. Thank you, Mark. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.